of things to talk about oh yes this is a huge topic <laughs> i hope you're comfortable and you know in a good parking zone <laughs> all, right. all right is uh sounds good i think we're good sounds are good we're all right let's rock and roll let's rock all right Not, no guinness in this class today but <laughs> No, where are we coffee here? So, uh, you guys, this is something we've been talking about for a while. Um, pretty much, I think it was in the brewing since when uh, Chris and Ronald, we met in, uh, in Las Vegas during summer camp. And uh, we said we were going to do something together and uh, bounced, bounced a couple of ideas. And I think uh, here we are. I'm quite excited about it. So, what, what are we thinking here? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I'll pass it to Chris and Ron as well, but clearly we've had a few, uh, I'll call them casual conversations uh, where we've chatted about different things, but I think we, we landed on the idea that, that there are a number of people that uh, don't get enough representation uh, when it comes to learning about cybersecurity and privacy. And there's a lot of conversations around uh, diversity and equality and inclusion um, and that's all very forward-thinking but uh, I think the, the purpose of our chats moving forward on a regular basis here is to kind of kind of look the other direction and say who, who might be be leaving behind who might right. not have the funds or might not have the communications or the or the technologies available to them readily so that they can uh, find this industry and find uh, the opportunities and and then become part of it and then clearly i don't know if we'll we'll take this path or not but same same thing when when we talk about protecting ourselves uh some folks might get left behind there too so. yeah and it, yeah time to, all right time, time to talk about the actions so i've heard about, i've heard about this for a very long time let's let's walk right enough with talks yeah yep. right so that that was where i was going to chime in right so I've been in this industry 27 years, and over the last, I'll say, seven years, the conversation has started around inclusion, diversity, and all of these things, but it's been primarily talk. And so over the last three years, uh, uh, my conversation has been action. It's great. We all recognize it, that it's a problem, but we keep talking to ourselves about the same problem, right? So at what point are we going to start talking about what are the actions that not just organizations can take, but individuals can take. Because I, I think to, in order to make a change, it's not about large entities just making changes, but it's about individuals taking it upon themselves to make changes themselves, right? And it can be done very easily. It can be done in your local community, right? Just starting small, 
right? Small brush fire, big fires are started sometimes from small brush fires. Look at LA, right? <laughs> the, the California is pretty much burning down, and each of those started from a small brush fire somewhere. And I think that was is what needs to happen with this movement. Yep, I, I agree with that. And the the good thing that we can do as you know, content producers, you know, people that are active on different social media platforms and things like that. We can be a beacon for people that, number one, we're going to, you know, help the people that know about cybersecurity and, and transitioning into that. But I think the even bigger vision is to actually like reaching out to people that don't know that they can get into cybersecurity. Like, hey, have you heard, heard of these folks? They do a, a monthly podcast and, you know, it's really interesting. You know, I understand it because it's not overly technical, but it, they talk about how people can get into cybersecurity that are, you know, come from an upper, underrepresented population. And I think that's, that's something that Ron and I, we've been talking about for a long time. But yeah, like you guys said, you know, it's time to, to act and, and get people motivated. Right. We have uh, so many people on the call. It would be great to kind of hear who are the voices behind uh, what we're trying to project, uh, you know, uh, giving representation for underrepresented groups. Yeah. Who do we all have here? Roll call. Yeah. Well, why don't you lead it off, uh, Ron, since you brought it up. Yeah, great. So this is Ron Eddings from Hacker Valley Studio. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great teamwork between ourselves and ITSP. That's uh, me in the room, and we also have our co-hosts. Yep, co-host Chris Cochran. Uh, also, you know, helping lead the charge for Hacker Valley Studio. Uh, we've been doing this for about a year. You know, we do a lot of outreach. We try to do as much as we can for kids and other underrepresented groups. Uh, but then also we have my dad, who is going to be our special guest. He is a uh, training expert. He's been doing uh, waste management for a long, long time. So now he's teaching other people about, you know, how to, to drive trucks, you know, how to troubleshoot. And so I think he'd be great to talk to from a perspective of how do you train people that are just coming into something that's brand new and create a safe space for them to learn. Yeah, I love that because it's not just the, I mean, we talk about cybersecurity because that's the industry we're in, uh, but the minority and the representation is true in, in many, many, many other aspects of our life. So I think actually listening to a different perspective is just gonna make the point stronger. So, and uh, I guess, Sean, let's do the round of introduction here. <laughs> yes, let's do it. All right. Uh, go, you lead off and then I'll, uh, I'll take it. Well, then, ITSP Magazine, we've been uh, chatting around important things in the community, or at least we think is important, for the past uh, four years. I think we are at the point where we are... Uh, we're screaming and people are listening to us finally and uh, we want to help the people that are screaming and actually taking action I mean we we're talking about it and we are contributing by doing this Sean but there are people on the front line out there that are really teaching and bringing uh, you know again like Larry said a small contribution that are a big step for humankind Uh, just quoting Armstrong here (laughs) And so, uh, so your name for, for folks who may not know Marco Cipelli, I'm uh, (laughs) (laughs) the crazy one on social media and, uh, I'm Sean Martin and yeah, I think, uh, well, I don't, nothing more to add really than what Marco said. I think I'm, I'm pleased to have Larry Whiteside join us. Uh, I've known Larry for a while and, uh, he's done great things in the InfoSec, uh, space. 
not just from a practitioner perspective, but also from leading the charge on uh, talking to talk and walking it as well. And um, I've asked Larry to join, uh, primarily representing ICMCP, and, and he can spell what those acronyms stand for <laughs> if, he, if he can and would like to. Uh, but the bottom line is that that group and organization is doing a lot to uh, for diversity and quality and and uh, serving underrepresented groups as well. So, Larry, thanks for thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate any opportunity to uh, get on any platform and talk about you know diversity and inclusion. Um, I keynoted a conference a couple of weeks ago in Boston for a, a buddy of mine, Gary Evie. But uh, I am Larry Whiteside Jr. Uh, I am a veteran CISO. I've been in this industry for 27 years, um, but that's my day job. But the thing that really drives me every day is uh, I'm the co-founder of an organization called ICMCP. Um, it's International Consortium of Minority Cybersecurity Professionals. And I know that's long, which is why I created the acronym. Um, <laughs> and it, it really is was the brainchild of me and a couple of buddies who are, who are also industry veterans who sort of were working in different paths about it. We actually are celebrating our five year anniversary this month. Congrats. And um, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing. It's been more powerful than we ever imagined um, where we just had an idea and we went to, we happen to have um, similar, we happen to have mentors of, of the same people. So uh, they were going to the, our mentors saying, Hey, is this a good idea? And they were putting together the structure and I happened to be going to those same mentors saying, Hey, is this a good idea? Would you be willing to fund it? Did we lose his audio? Yeah, we lost audio. Ah, we lost your audio, Larry. <laughs> That's when I bring the Italian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what's uh, going on? Let's try again. And this, this is why we don't, don't do it live. <laughs> right. uh, we, yep. we have learned that lesson a long time ago we just start hearing booze booze starts dropping <laughs> what are these guys doing <laughs> yeah. you know what while we wait for larry let's uh let's hear from your dad well, yeah yeah so i i think my dad has an interesting perspective because he sees a lot of people that come into your industry, like brand spanking new, right? They've, they've never been in the industry. They don't understand like the nit noids and you get, I'm sure you get hot shots that come in to think they know everything, but you're, they learn real quick that they have to uh, sort of get that experience. Absolutely. Uh, re relearn stuff. You know, uh, we have a, a wide diversification of, of a lot of different, different folks coming into our yep. business. So, uh, you know, and they they can start off very young, and then you have some guys that have been in the in the business for a long time, and uh, of course, uh, in the waste industry, you know, there it's it's going to be around for a long time, you know, and, and people have to have that trash picked up, right? <laughs> no matter whether you're in industrial, commercial, or a residential, you know, sitting out in front of your house, and uh, you know, we we teach teach folks coming in and most people coming in that have never been in the industry usually start off in the residential sector mm. you know picking up uh you know residents uh trash recycling recycling is huge you know, and especially out here in california is really huge huh? right, right yeah <laughs> uh, one thing that i think there's a, a really cool parallel between uh, waste management and cybersecurity is that there's so much demand for it like there's always going to be open positions for cybersecurity there's always going to be open positions and for waste management there's always going to be open positions because once you get in 
it's a grind. This is, it's, a grind. It, it's not comfortable because if you come into cybersecurity, if you're just learning, you still have a lot more to learn. Right. I still have a lot more to learn. I've been in for over a decade. So just like, you know, waste management, it's a grind. You're out there in the snow. You're out there when trucks break down. You're, you're, it's a constant grind. And so you have people that, oh, nice, you can make money doing this. But then yeah. they find out real quick that it's not you it's know, work. green grass. On no, the other it's, side. it's a lot. It's a lot of work. So we do have a lot of turnover, you mm-hmm. know, because people come in and think that they can make good money. But when they f- realize the hours and the, the actual physical labor you have to put in, you know, it's, a lot. it's not for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot. So what I'm always curious about, especially when it comes to other industries, especially cybersecurity, is how does one find themselves in that industry in the first place? So how did you kind of get started in there and what made you want to start teaching uh, newcomers and people that are already in the industry? Well, you know, uh, whenever I first started off is actually whenever I was a young kid, you know, I was actually 16, 17 and I actually worked for a, a company. It was a lumber company that had apartment complexes and, uh, uh, he also had a, he, well, he had these apartment complexes. And so every Friday they started picking up the trash. They'd pick up all these apartments. And that's where I really got started off and picking up trash way back when. But then I went into the uh, military. I was a Mex army and uh, was in the maintenance, maintenance industry and whatever, working on trucks and stuff. And so whenever I was getting, getting ready to get out, I said, what are you going to do? I said, man, I think we'll pick up trash. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's how it all began, you know. And so I've, you know, I was in in it for a long time, and that's where I, uh, you know, learned all the ins and outs. I've been in operation safety training. I've done it all, and uh, so then I started teaching teaching other guys the the industry. Very cool. Yeah, and I I'm interested to know. I mean, we we talk about technology uh, changing the way businesses work uh, all over the place. And I'm wondering if, if uh, the waste management industry is also going through uh, what many people call a digital transformation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> where, Absolutely. They, where things, uh, are there smart trash bins? And are we seeing that, that kind of stuff coming around where we're understanding technology and, and, and security ultimately is part of the job. The bit, yeah, the biggest, biggest thing is, and it's, it's really been changing is used to be everything was on paper and now route sheets are actually digital, you know, on tablets. So drivers actually have tablets now the customer list that they're picking up that, that day or on a tablet. It's, is there, is there any like AI that goes into writing the routes? Cause I, I know you have like specific drivers that usually they have a, a route, but do the routes change like based on efficiency and things like that? Yeah, so like on on uh, residential routes, they do. Right, you, know, you use uh, computer programs that will design, or basically you'll put all the different uh, algorithms and things that uh, uh, you need to put in there, whether it be traffic and things like that. Right, and then uh, it it actually spits out, hey, this will be the most efficient way to run this route. Oh, that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, I think that conversation it we had it a while back and. Uh, and the digital transformation is everywhere. And at this point, there is a lot of company that didn't even think about being a technology company. And I can do the quote here because we're on video. <laughs> Sorry for the podcast, but it's the air quote. And, uh, and now 
they are technology company, even if it's not the core of the product. So right, I think right. that to reconnect, and I'm glad to see Larry is back online. Hey, Larry. Um, Hello. To, to the uh, going and look for the people that are coming in the industry that they may not even, again, know that there is an opportunity in the industry. So there may be people now that say, wait a minute, I didn't know that waste management needed computer science or cybersecurity experts because, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a problem if they get hacked and so on. So um, how are we letting people know about all this opportunity? Because for sure, the mainstream news are not talking about this. It's only about the breach or the negative things. Right. So Larry, how, how are you guys doing this? Yeah, so, so that, that's an interesting question, and I'm glad you asked it. So first of all, sorry for the technical difficulties. Um, it, it's funny, no matter how much we depend on these things and how integrated they are into every part of our life, they're still not as dependable as we would like them. Um, <laughs> so, so the reality is it's got to start in the homes. And when I say in the homes, if you think about underrepresented um, uh, uh, groups, right, and you think about where they grow up, um, most of their experience of professions is based on what they see and yep. based on what they know, right? So I grew up and, you know, uh, uh, two parents in the home until, I, until, you know, until my teens, but when they were growing up and I was getting examples of things to be, it was really based on what they knew, right? right? So if you want to be successful, go be a lawyer. If you want to be successful, go be a doctor, because those were the professions that we got taught as a youth that were ones that geared towards success. They weren't saying go be an engineer. They weren't saying, right, I, I did have go be a pilot because both of my grandfathers were Tuskegee Airmen, right? But mm. those, were, those were mechanisms and, and careers that, that they saw from a success criteria standpoint. Nobody was saying go be a scientist. Right. Nobody was saying go be right cybersecurity. Nobody was saying go be a technologist, like because these things didn't. So from from our aspect, one of the things we recognize, and one of the things I personally recognize, is we've got to educate not just the youth at the K through 12 level that this needs to happen, but we need to educate their parents, because right. if they're at home and their parents are not pushing them or informing them that these things exist. Even if they hear it in the school, if they go home and say it to their parents and their parents don't know about it, the parents aren't really going to do much to continue to push and drive the, the thirst for information that they may have gotten about it in that one hour presentation they got, they got in that 30 minute presentation they got. So we have to do things like going to churches, right? A lot of churches have these little opportunities for guest speakers to come in and talk to small portions of the congregation. Right. They have right. There's many uh, uh, churches that I've seen are doing education on how to, your kids to stop being bullied, how to keep your kids safe online. Well, there, there should be opportunities in these churches to talk about what are additional career paths that minorities need to know about that underserved, uh, uh, um, underrepresented um, entities need to know about that they can have a successful right uh, life. And, and move into, right? And that's, I think, one of the pieces that's been missed. We had a lot of conversation about how do we create a pipeline and we try and work with colleges to get more, to get more um, colleges teaching cybersecurity, but what's the percentage of underrepresented entities that are actually going to college, right? right. So we're missing a lot of people because they never even get to that point. So we've got to start in the homes and that comes with educating the parents, right? And making sure that they've got some understanding 
because they don't know. If you were to talk to one of them about waste management and, and technology, it would, it would be the furthest thing from their mind, right? But right, there's right. IoT devices being added into trash cans today so mm -hmm. that if, if you haven't paid your bill for your, your waste bill because you've got a monthly bill cycle, oh, that one doesn't get picked up because the, 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 the uh, uh, driver recognizes, nope, that one's got a red mark right. on, my, on my list, so I'm not yep. picking that one up. Yep. Right, so it's things that are that small where technology is getting integrated into parts of our lives that people would never even know if they weren't educated about it. And so I think we've got yep. to start in the homes and at the schools and help them understand so that they start prepping their kids to go into these types of fields. Hey, Larry, you, you brought up a really good point. And one thing that I see is that when it comes to professions, you either you want to be something because you see it in the household, like maybe it's a family member or something like that. But then you also have like platforms like TV, like how many crime shows are there out there? How many hospital and doctor shows are there out there? I think that cybersecurity needs to find a, a good platform to, to expose a wide swath of people to cybersecurity in some way. Right. And so have you thought about, you know, other than going to the churches, other than, you know, going to the schools, is there a way, is there a platform to really just get out there and not the breach stuff, you know, like we, we talked about earlier, but more from a positive, like this is a profession that you can get into today. So, so it's interesting you say that, um, you know, if you really think about it, cybersecurity has been in the news and been on platforms and been in movies and things. The problem is, is we've got to change the narrative right mm -hmm. now from the, the, the movie Hollywood aspect and the largest platform related to cybersecurity is basically a guy in a hoodie doing bad stuff. Right. And so they, they mm -hmm. actually have created a, a show. Um, and there are a few people in the industry that I know that are being asked to be like experts um, uh, uh, to help the show make it more realistic related to like a, a cyber crimes type show. Right. Where it's, right. it's going to investigate breaches and it's going to show, you know, data scientists and, and analysts and, and different components of what make up. Uh, uh, going into and looking at an incident and breaches and things. So it's like, if you think about, I can't remember the name of the show that uh, LL Cool J is on, where they're investigating these things based on Navy and, and CI yes, crimes. NCIS. Uh, CIS, NCIS, right? Yeah. So, or like a CSI, something like that, but from a cyber perspective. So there are some of those things that are starting to be created. What I don't know is, are there going to people be people that represent the underserved communities that, that, they can see right that look like them that they right. can grab a hold of to understand oh wait this is something that i can get into this mm -hmm. is something that one of us is doing because yeah. when i go speak right if i go to you know any underrepresented area i go into the hood i wear a three-piece suit and a, and, and a tie and i look good and pull up in my nice vehicle they think of one of a few things a musician a doctor a lawyer or an athlete pretty much yep. it because that's mm -hmm. their expectation based on what or they've an seen alternative. And what they know. <laughs> Business. Right. And it's, it's, it's sad to me. And when I speak to them about it, right. And I'm an ex military officer, I push the military for, for people, but I don't necessarily always push enlisted. I tell them that, that going into the military for me was life changing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of different aspects of life because a lot of people don't even think about when they go into the military, they don't think that, well, oh, if I go into the military, I have to go in and listen. They don't, they, because nobody has told them, 
no, there's an opportunity for you to go in as an officer. If you, if you go to college and do ROTC and they'll pay and ROTC will pay for your school that you can then potentially go in as an officer and make five times what an enlisted person would make starting. To, like there's so much, many things that just don't get talked about. And cybersecurity is one of the biggest things. And if you look at this career field, right, it is, uh, by God's grace, it has afforded me a very comfortable life, right? And yes. when you think about the American dream, right, it's changed. The, the, what the American dream is has changed. And um, I'll, I'll never forget when I first moved to the state of Michigan, and I lived there for two years, but the, the, for them, because of the manufacturing culture, what was the American dream for them was, and, and everybody I spoke to was, you go get a job at the factory, work at the factory for X number of years, you buy your house, you buy your car, you get married, you work there, you retire, and then that, that's your life. Right. They never thought, and anybody who got into technology that I met, they had to move out of that culture to break away from it just because the culture, that, that's what they had been taught. And so it goes back to the homes. Um, but I, I do like trying to figure out what that big platform is. And I don't think it, the answer is there yet holistically, but I know there's some efforts that, that are trying to get it. That, those are some really good points. And I think that you touched on a few topics that uh, actually kind of go directly towards like my upbringing in my life. And that's like not going to college. I went to college a little later, um, but through meeting some great mentors, I learned about there were career paths for engineering and cybersecurity uh, for me wanting to go to college. What, what would be kind of the advice or the stance that you would take if you were speaking to a group of underrepresented uh, youth that also didn't have kind of college in their outlook, is, is there still a way and still uh, advice that you'd give for them to go towards uh, being a cybersecurity practitioner? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, um, I, I'll start, I, I'm going to go two ways with this. So one, you can do it. Right. Getting uh, and I'm not a certification guy. Right. Let, let me be very, very clear. I'm 27 years in the industry. I have zero certifications and that is on purpose. However, um, if you don't bring a certain amount of credibility to the conversation that you are trying to have with someone specifically related to a career in this field, you've got to start somewhere. I was blessed enough to be able to start in the military. And my military background and credentials and everything I did in the military and the roles I held carried me to where I could do without certifications. Right. But if you are coming out of high school and you want to venture in, you're going to have to get a certification that demonstrates some aspect of knowledge and capability, right? And, and it starts there. But the second piece is not really always on the person. The second piece is on entities that are hiring. Um, we, as cybersecurity practitioners in corporate America, have got to help our HR move out of the way. And I say that because every company I've gone to, when I started there, when I start putting roles in place, they, st they come out and they say, even for an entry-level position, it must have X number of years in experience. Right. And, I be and I go to the head of HR and I have a, a realistic conversation. And I say, so help me understand how does that work? How can somebody come in as an entry level, but already have experience? Where would that experience come from? Not everybody gets an internship. Not every company offers internships. So how can we realistically expect to find talent to begin in our program 
but already have experience. And they need their right? CISSP. <laughs> right. And, right. And have a CISSP and have, right. Have your security plus have like, and it is, it's all of these different things. And so I think as an industry, we have to push back on HR, all hiring managers, every CISO I know, I have this conversation with them on a regular basis. You have to set some reality in HR. And what happens is HR, it's not their fault, but because cybersecurity was born out of IT, they sort of measure cybersecurity with IT and they sort of try and place them in the same bucket. And I have to tell them, no, we're different. We're not the same, right? We, we may have came from the same parent, but we're not the same entity. So we have to sort of take our roles, pull them out and separate them from IT and, and create our own bucket on how we hire differently. And so I've been able to hire some amazing, amazing people with no degrees in each of the roles I've had as CISO because I've been able to go to HR and put those things in place. So that those two pieces are important. Those two pieces are extremely important. And then the last piece I'll add is for the individual who wants to break into the field, do not think it's gonna fall into your lap, right? Uh, I've run into a number of people who feel that, okay, I got my security plus, now what? The job should just start rolling in because it's a zero unemployment career field. I'm like, that's not how this works, right? You still as an individual have to make yourself known and you have to put yourself out there, right? You may be an introvert by nature, but in our industry, you have to take some sort of step to go out and make sure that people are aware of who you are and people are aware of your interests, right? So if you wanna go work for Xerox, you need to reach out and connect with people. Utilize LinkedIn as a tool. I use LinkedIn religiously, right? And you use it. You go out and you reach out to people. I, I'll give you an example. So right now, I, I resigned the CISO role that, that, that I was in because I wanted to move into something different. So in doing so, I didn't do that and then say, oh, I'm just going to do a regular applying for jobs or I'm going to sit and because I put on my LinkedIn profile looking for my next op, I'm just going to wait for people to contact me. No, I have 150 uh, companies that I'm targeting. Mm -hmm. I've created a PowerPoint presentation and I'm sending it out to the entire executive teams of each company. Mm -hmm. Here's my thought. Here's the type of role that I would like in your company. Let me know what you think. Mm -hmm. Right. So it is taking the bull by the horns. Right. So when you want to break into this industry, if you show the technical astuteness by getting a certification and then you take the bull by the horns, that then shows to anybody hiring that you are somebody who is going to go out and get it done versus wait for work to be handed to you. Absolutely. Very true. Yeah. yeah. You know, one point that I find very, very key in what you said is that this perpetration of a certain way of doing things. Like it, it's, it, the society is designed to maintain the status quo because that's how people that are up there stay up there and the people that are down there, they stay down there. I mean, it's always been like this. So when you say the HR problem, it's there, there are a few jokes and going around the social media when they, you say like, well, I need a job. Well, you need experience. Well, I need a job to get experience <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny but it's not funny at all and then now the problem is that when we talk about minority i see many many problems with the artificial intelligence algorithm that are helping hr to select and they're bringing bias into the system mm. and that's just because again who the hell is programming algorithm guess what Us. right so right. 
I, I agree with you. I mean, something has to drastically change. And, and I think the company, and tell me if I'm wrong, they need to invest more like the military. Like the military will bring you in with no experience and it will give you an experience, right? right. And, and well, I'm wondering, I wonder if that's a model because I'm wondering who, yes. right, and I'm sorry to cut I, I you off, Marco. But no, 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 take it. Take yeah, because I, I think, I mean, you, Larry, you mentioned that you, uh, your, your career in in the military gave you the chops to pursue a career in, in cybersecurity. And I, I guess my my view of, of that is that the, the military took the bull by the horns to say, these are the types of folks we want and we're going to help create them. Right? We're going to give them the school and the, the, the skills and the training and, and the, the experience and drive the culture that we want as well. And I, th I feel like companies corporate companies uh, kind of take the back seat and wait. So to your well, point on your jobs that can land in your lap, I think companies just wait for those candidates to land in their lap, right? Well, th there's that part, but there's, there's this added piece. So the military is hundreds of years old, right? They've got a very regimented, well thought out training plan on how you get from in the air force, right? I'll, I'll use the air force as an example from airmen, to senior airman, to staff sergeant, to technical sergeant, to master sergeant, to all the way up through the ranks. Cybersecurity doesn't have that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right. You, they say money is the root of all evil. And at the end of the day, there are no certification mechanisms. There is no, other than SANS, right? SANS has got a very regimented, right? These are prerequisites, do these things, and then you can get to this next level. Right. But for the most part, when you look at the, the state of training in our industry, it's all over the place. And that's because there's money involved. And so companies focus on certifications and not training because those are two very, very, very different things. Right. So in a company, if a person is to go from junior analyst to analyst to senior analyst, 99 times out of 100, the company doesn't have a real formal training plan on how they get from there it's primarily based on years in the role right right and so until cybersecurity gets to remember our, our field is only 30 years old yep right we're a little over 30 years old in this field being an actual field so until it gets to the point where there is some clear guidance on what training is and what training is required to get from one step to the next. And, and, and understanding that training is, is, is one component of multiple things, right? It could be time and role, it could be training, it could be certification, but that, that conglomerate of things does not exist yet anywhere. And until it does, and until it's adopted widely, we're going to continue to fall into the same routine and the same circle of, can, uh, of companies waiting for the right candidate to fall into their lap through whatever hunting source they've got. Yeah. Uh, candidates out there, really, right now, a, a lot of people are, are just going for, you know, oh, I'll get a pay raise here. I'll get a 20K pay raise here. I'm going to go take that. And so financial services is just basically beating each other up, hiring away from each other, pushing salaries so high that they can't pay people anymore. It's, it's, getting, it's getting outlandish. The, and I'm wondering, you know, are, there, are there any parallels in, in uh, waste management and recycling and, and that whole world that we can, we can glean? You know, you know, just listening to you guys talk a little bit, thinking about it, it's like, uh, 
it's all about marketing, you know, for uh, cybersecurity. I mean, most students in high school and stuff like that are that are coming out. They're they're thinking about what they want to be, but it is you know cybersecurity. I think it needs to be the marketing needs to be pushed, mm-hmm. and uh, and the pa- actual pass. You know, there. What are the paths, you know, that I need to do? If right. I want to be in cybersecurity, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's out there enough right. to know, you know. No, you're yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think marketing is huge, you know, pushing that that narrative further and further down. So you have kids that are like, I want to be a cybersecurity professional because right. they're going to have to learn the basics of networking. They're going to have to learn the basics of operating systems and stuff like that and then get to the security part. And so they kind of have to start early. The one thing I wanted to say about uh, the military is the thing that the military has for it is that it's a government entity that has a budget. And so they're, they're saying, okay, this is how much money we need to operate. They're like, okay, cool. Then you're good to go military. Oh, we need a training budget. And so then they have schoolhouses, they have training facilities, they have all these things that they have to have because you have to train these people to be able to do their job. Right. And we have to look at it the same way in cybersecurity because right now I'm seeing training budgets get cut. I'm seeing people right. going to conferences less. They're going to less courses. Uh, companies are now looking at people like, hey, when you come in, you have to know everything you need to know and anything yeah. you learn is going to be on your off time. Yeah, no, that's you- right. That's the first budget to go. Right. right. As right. companies cut, they aren't looking at cutting profits. Like right. it's, yeah. Profits are not something that's going to get cut. And so cybersecurity being the lowest budget in every company, right? If you look, if you look at business-based budget for revenue generating businesses, you look at the technology budget for innovation uh, and, and just regular IT ops and support, and you look at cyber, cyber is always the smallest, smallest piece of the pie. And when they start cutting, your training is training and travel is the first thing to go. Absolutely. You know, I, I agree with the marketing. I mean, we as a community and as an industry, we suck at it, both for the product because we lie a lot. And, uh, <laughs> That's another point. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go there in this conversation, but I will no, in no. another conversation. Oh, absolutely. And the other one is, yeah, definitely to make it appealing. And I, I like to talk a little bit about other minorities too because this is uh, – Chris and Ronald, this is, we agree that each segment is going to bring different minority on. Yep. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the women, uh, the equality, the opportunities, and the yep. uh, neurodiverse people. And I think we can easily connect it to the conversation we just had. On one side, let's make this industry uh, known and make yep. it look a little bit cooler for everybody, yep. not just for the well, dude. In, in but, but it goes it goes beyond making it look cooler right so so yeah, when i say works. underrepresented for me it, it it's inclusive of, of women right because yeah, so i am a huge believer that every aspect of a person right um uh brings some aspect of diversity to the room because when you have people that look alike dress alike have similar backgrounds they all have similar thoughts. Um, so, so it is bringing these, this collective of people that are, grew up in different areas, uh, grew up in different ways, um, and, uh, went to different types of schools, um, yep. uh, studied different languages, studied different things at high school and or college or, or even more advanced levels, right? And to think outside the box differently because every person 
based on all of those different things from their background brings a different perspective to the same problem, right? And that's the, the beauty of diversity. That's what it adds. Every company, there are tons of studies, um, and I, I can't quote any of them right now, but there are tons of studies you can Google where every company who had a highly diverse uh, uh, employee base had better revenue than before they had a diverse employee group, right? And right. it's because the, the diversity of thought that comes with bringing people together of different minds, different spirits, different bodies, they are thinking they can all look at the exact same problem and have different components that they bring out based on all of the things that they've gone through over their lifetime. And that's the beauty and that's the reason this, this needs to happen, right? Cybersecurity is challenging and it is getting more challenging by the second. Attackers don't take holidays. Attackers don't take time out, take time off. And they are utilizing all the same tools we have. They have access to the same internet we have. So we're not doing anything different. And until we start to realize that and we start to think that we have got to find a way to think outside the box with, from within, uh, we've been operating here for the last three decades, we're gonna continue to be behind the curve. And that's mm -hmm. part of the problem and part of the reason that we keep saying, the, the, the reason the diversity conversations first started was really economics, right? It was really, you know, I would go speak globally and nowhere that I spoke anywhere in the globe, even in Africa, did we make up more than 20% of the room of, 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 of minorities and women? Nowhere. It did not matter, right? I called it the white men in suits industry, right? Mm. And so when this all first started, it was an economics conversation. But now as we see attacks getting more and more complicated, as we see attacks becoming more and more frequent, we're recognizing that this is a diversity and inclusion conversation to get us to think differently. Some of the best companies that exist right now in the cyber and technology space are ones that have a diverse leadership team that have brought a, a, an old problem that they are solving in a new way because they've got people who are thinking differently. Right. Yeah, and the, the threats aren't exclusive, right? They, nope. Their biggest net possible bring as many, many people in and it uh, doesn't matter where you, where you come from or what you look like. If you're caught in the net, you're caught in the net. So I, I think right. that I think we have to, uh, as a society, recognize that that not only are we not helping our businesses run better, uh, but we're perhaps even hurting some of the the uh, groups of people that that we will ultimately need to help our run our, run our businesses better in the future. So, which yep. bring to another thing, which is. Uh, is not a check box that you take people you hire. Oh, look, I hire an neurodiverse. I, I hire, a, you know, somebody of one religion, somebody of one race and another. It's about retaining these people. So inclusion is mm -hmm. retention, right? So you bring it in and then from giving an opportunity, you give the, the tools and the training in within the industry to then make them a leader which again, it sounds to me what the military does for other reason, but I'd like to hear, uh, Chris, from your dad to like how, how people in, in another industry, they, they climb the, you know, the ladder to become uh, new people and then from trainer, trainee to trainers. Uh, how, how does that go? Yeah, uh, basically, you know, the thing is, it's all about, and no matter what industry you're in, it's all about attitude. 
you know, you have, you have people come in if they have great attitude, energetic, and are willing to learn and put in the time. Those are the folks that will climb up. And you may start off in the waste industry on the back of a truck picking up trash. But if you have that go-getter type of attitude, uh, you know, you come to work and you're putting in the grind every day, then you and you have that uh, that drive that, hey, I want to drive this type of truck. And then you see somebody else and then you can instead, that's basically how it works. You know, you steadily move up. But if you're one of those folks that just sit back and, you know, I, I just want to do this, mm -hmm. you know, you may be stuck there, but you have to have some kind of drive. And I think that's with really with all, all types of uh, occupations. If you have the drive and the go-getter type uh, attitude, you can move up through companies. What about for retention? Because I, I know it's a grind, you know, doing the, the <clears throat> waste management stuff. How do you keep pe good people in, in the companies? You know, I think this, it's all about companies that, you know, one, most of the pay scales in, in, in the waste sector are pretty close to the same. Uh, some of the benefits with different companies, some might be better and stuff like that. But if you have, you know, it's all about how you treat your employees. Right. You treat your employees with, uh, with care, empathy, and stuff like that, and they know you care about them, they're going to stay around. Mm. But if you're just a number and there's no, no, nothing personal, you know, mm -hmm. then those are the, the, the employees that are looking for that next company. Right. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that, you know, um, employees really value being uh, treated like uh, a member of the family. Right. Absolutely. And so when you care about who they are as a person, right, I've, I've in, in the 27 years I've been in this business um, and the I'll, I'll say I got out of 02. Yeah. 02. So in the what's that 17 years I've been in private sector, um, I can call up any employee that's ever worked for me. And if they were willing to relocate to where I'm at, they would come work with me. And a lot of that has been because I cared for them as individuals. Right. I knew about them. I knew about their families. I knew about the kids. I knew the good, bad, and everything that was going on because I recognize that home life and work life aren't very separate and they directly impact each other. And so if somebody's got a, is having issues at work, it could cause issues at home. If they're having issues at home, it could cause issues at work. Yep. And so part of my one-on-one -on -one that I have with every employee I've ever had has been around how are you? Right, not work, not how are you personally? How's the wife? How's the family? How are things going? Oh, your mom was sick. How right? How's that going? And I, I, I'll give an example. So I had um, a, a young lady or, or middle-aged lady who I had hired at one of the companies I was working for, and so um, she had been there maybe a month working for me as an analyst, and she was a had changed careers, and so. Uh, one of one of her team members comes into my office and he's like, you know, Larry, she's she's in a cubicle crying, and I'm like, what? And so I go out there to talk to her. I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? And she says, you know, her spouse um, had 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 uh, an arrhythmia, and they they were they were taking her spouse to the hospital. And I said, so so why are you still sitting here? And her response was, well, well, I didn't I didn't I didn't know I could leave. And I said, listen, you know, when, when, when I brought you on into the role, one of the things, right, one of the first things I've talked to you about is family first, right? Jobs come and go, every day, but your family's going to be there always. So I, I, I've got six kids, right? And so at the end of the day, if something happens with one of my kids, every employee that I've ever had knows I'm gone. Like, I got to go deal with this family stuff because that's important. And so that is important to people. 
The other piece is, as I'm hiring millennials now, I'm recognizing there are these other ancillary things that are important to them. So if you think back, you know, 10 years ago where companies were blocking access to Gmail and Facebook, that's no longer acceptable, right? And so as you, as you look to hire this, this new talent pool that's starting to come into the workforce, they're now looking for other stuff. Well, great, you care about me, right? But what else are you giving me, right? And so they want, you know, different work schedules where, you know, can I work from home one to two days a week? Can I, right, can I go on Facebook? Is that okay? And so one of the things the military taught me is, is, is about how to measure success of an employee. And so it's not about how much I see you. It's not about how much I see you online. It's about task management. Mm-hmm. If, I, if you've got 10 tasks to do and you complete them within the time frame that I ask you for or early, great for you. You've got, you've got time on your hands to do something else. But mm-hmm. if you're not completing those tasks within the time frame, then we've got to talk. And yeah. so me being a task manager uh, versus a, a people manager has also added a lot of value to my teams and allowed my team to be a lot more efficient because when you get hired into a company, right, the junior analysts, yeah, they need some guidance. And so I tend to allow them to have some guidance from the seniors or a lead. But most people, when they get into a company, if you tell them what to do, they're going to go do it if they're a good employee, right? And so keeping them engaged, understanding them as a person, but then being a task manager and not a, a, and not a, a people manager where you're, you're, you're over top of them and you're just measuring them based on how much you see them in the office, how much you see them at their desk, you know, seeing what, checking, being, getting into the minutia of seeing how much time they've spent on Facebook and social media. It just, it, it's, it's, it's a new day and we got to figure out better ways to do it. Well said. Yeah. And just to add to that a bit, uh, also for me, I've, I've worked in a few environments that didn't have tasks defined. They didn't really have a clear goal in mind and it really became a challenge for me to, you know, remain being creative. Uh, yeah. If you don't have, if you have a lot of autonomy, it might be a kind of a good thing, but if there's no kind of, insight as to where the vision is or what needs to be completed you can really burn people out quickly especially in the beginning when you're you don't have any like guardrails you're just kind of like hey figure it out it's like whoa i got all these alerts coming in Uh, who do i ask like everyone seems busy that needs your alerts too yeah oh yeah it'll burn people out super quick yeah so i bet that's a pretty powerful tool to just give them some task at least and really allow them to figure out how they are going to complete it and come back for help if they need it that's right. Yeah, we, we expect to have people like already all grown and adult when they come in the industry, right? <laughs> and, the, and the thing if it, there is something is that this industry is not that kind of industry where you get a qualification and then you sit and you're like, got my job, right? I, I mean, you need to keep the career going. You, it's a constant learning, it's a constant, constant. change. That's so, right. Uh, that's an important point, but as we get towards the wrapping of this, because, uh, you know, I'm sure people are loving us, but they got other stuff to do. <laughs> um, the one thing that is important, and I think this is just to throw some, another important topic for maybe next, one of the next episodes that we do together about minorities, is I care so much about the importance of role models and mentorship. 
and I'm, I'm not going to have an hour conversation on this because it could easily be, <laughs> but I would like to wrap with, with a thought about this in terms of role models, because I think mm. we started with that, with, you know, minority uh, underrepresented again, mm. it's what we are. So how do they discover this thing? And uh, Larry, you say you, you just go in the church, you go in the school, you go in the poor community. Um, and, you know, let's talk about, you know, women that now they're finally looking at some very cool and smart and powerful, uh, in a good way, uh, women in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many uh, neurodiverse people that are giving talk, look at B-sides, look at uh, DEF CON. I mean, they're, they're, uh, we're friends with many of them. So one thought from each one of you about the importance of uh, role model to break that chain that is not working right now yeah i'd say the way to break it is to number one always be role models ourselves mm -hmm. you know we have to sort of drink our own kool-aid and you know if we're going to ask people to push and, and develop their skills we have to con constantly be doing the same thing and then you know us as podcasters we have these platforms where we give people a voice uh, in ways that maybe they don't get on a regular basis. And so we have powerful women on the, on the podcast. We have powerful underrepresented populations on the podcast, giving them, you know, a space to, to speak and, and sort of, you know, project, you know, what they've done in the, in the cybersecurity arena, I think is huge because you're going to reach somebody who is, is not yet in cybersecurity or coming into cybersecurity. And they're going to see somebody like that resonates with me. And now I'm going to march down that path. For me, I, I spend a lot of time interviewing people. So my, I think one of my biggest areas where I can impact, uh, especially as being a role model, is uh, conducting a really good interview. There's been times in my life where I didn't know certain bits of information. So kind of treating all the situations with grace and humility, uh, I think during my interviews, not only helps me find the right candidates, but helps the candidates that maybe we don't hire uh, still be invigorated, still be inspired to learn. That's kind of uh, where I've been spending a lot of my time trying to be uh, a really good role model. Yes. So, so for me personally, right, um, uh, th there's a couple of things. So first off, um, be open, right? So if you look at my LinkedIn page uh, and, and if anybody cares to ever read my summarization, right, my summarization isn't about who I am. My summarization is about how can I help, right? And, and I do that because I want the industry to be better, but I also want people who look like me to recognize that I can, uh, that, hey, there's somebody that looks like me who's doing this, but he's actually also willing to help me, right? He's, he's leaving himself open and has this open statement who's willing to help me. But I then also say everybody should, I don't care how much or how little you've accomplished in the in this industry. Everyone should have what I call, and I got this phrase from a friend of mine, their own personal board of directors. And what that is, is have yourself three to five to six people in the industry that could be peers, that could be senior, that you can reach out to as it relates to things that you're thinking about, professionally, personally, whatever that may be, have that crew of people that you can bounce ideas and thoughts off of right? When you are looking at doing something, whether it be a career change, whether it be something in your current role, whatever that is, because then those people typically have their own. 
and now you're getting a, a perspective from what may end up being hundreds of people just based on your that small network. Mm -hmm. And so do that. The, I think those two things for me are the big ways that AI give back, but then I, I also expect others, I think, should help themselves. Maybe Chris, your dad, uh, any, any role models or, or thoughts? Not, not necessarily related to uh, yeah, but, career, but uh, just in general. Yeah, I think, uh, I think even, even kids coming up, they look at role models and stuff like that. And most of the time, it's usually the stars or the athletes and stuff like that. And uh, I think uh, just us on, our, on a regular level, we're like role models for our kids. You come to work, you go to work every day, you try to keep the positive attitudes and stuff like that. And uh, I think that's where it all begins in the house. Absolutely. I think you did a good job with your son. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate no it. There. I'm really yeah, proud of it. Don't give him a big head about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. No, I'm happy to call him a friend for sure. For sure. That's a good deal. Well, listen, uh, I think uh, we'll go ahead and, and, and wrap it here. I think we've had a conversation that has, as uh, in many cases, we, we kind of went all over the place. Um, oh, yeah. Touched on a number of different things, which was uh, really cool. I think, I think I'll, I'll just say as a final thought um, that, because uh, Ron, you mentioned being a, being a podcaster, you get to talk to lots of folks. I think I, I find that I see a new role model each time that I do one of these. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're fortunate to be able to connect with lots of different people from all different walks of life and even some different industries to tap into like today. Um, and yeah, I think we, we can learn from each other even if we're not trying to solve the same problem at the same moment in time, there, there are lessons to be learned. And uh, I think to your, to your point as well, um, I think Larry said it uh, to be open, right? So uh, yeah. lead by lead by leading and lead by following in, in both directions so uh many more conversations to to have here and uh i think we'll have some interesting guests plan i know we as we prepared for this one uh, i know my list of potential folks to join us uh is, is very long so i'm, I'm oh, yeah. i can see a number of months out <laughs> where we have a lot yeah. of a lot of good chats on the horizon excited Guys, I appreciate it. I, I am truly blessed and honored and, and thankful that you guys reached out to me. Um, uh, Sean, as you're aware, I'm, I'm willing to talk about this topic and pretty much any topic on a regular basis. And so um, I appreciate the time today, guys. I truly do. Man, nice meeting everyone. And hey, nice meeting you. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, everybody. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you all. All right. Next all right. Awesome. Yeah, all right. take Have a good rest of your weekend, guys. Uh, you yeah, too. You, everybody.